Have you ever noticed that the lower jaw is not protected in sports? Did you know that 10,800 concussions will happen today? This has been an upward trend for the past 50 years. I'm Dr. Michael Hutchison, a practicing neuromuscular dentist. When my son wanted to participate in football and rugby, I was afraid he was going to get a concussion. That fear led me to finding the missing link to reducing concussions. The fact is, the only part of the skull that is not protected in sports is the lower jaw. If you want to drastically reduce concussions, there are three basic jaw positions that affect concussions and two of them are not good. The correct one is called physiologic jaw position. It will dissipate the force away from the brain. Knowing that, I designed an appliance that put my son's jaw in the right place and as a result, he was concussion-free from fifth grade all the way to senior year. This jaw position takes those 10,800 concussions today down to 28. It's the key to concussion protection. As a parent, this is what you need to know. It's extremely important that the device you are using is on the lower jaw. Thickness of the device is important. Most importantly, it must position and hold you in your own unique personal physiologic jaw position. So if your child goes out on the field with the correct jaw position, your son or daughter will not one of those 10,800 concussions today. Get yours today at powerplusmouthguard.com. Use the promo code POWERUP2023 for 10% off. Thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. This story was written and produced by Ross Bliley, edited by Nikki Bliley. To support the podcast, join me on Patreon. You can find the podcast on any platform you want, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Audible. If you like the story, help me out by doing a quick review. This will help others to want to listen. The soundtrack is from filmmusic.io. Once again, thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the Sports History Network, your headquarters for sports yesteryear. Show some love for your favorite Sports History Network podcast. Now open is a merch shop just for you. If you're looking for a unique gift for a birthday or Christmas that's just around the corner, check out the Sports History Network store. You can get coffee mugs, t-shirts, and even podcaster books. Check it out at shopsportshistorynetwork.com. Last time on the Pigskin Tales podcast, I told you all about Walt Kiesling. He was a guy who grew up in the St. Paul, Minnesota area and went on to play in the NFL for 13 seasons for multiple teams and ended up winning one NFL championship. He ended up coaching in the league for 24 seasons. From 1926 until his death in 1962, Kiesling was a big part of the NFL. If you get a chance to listen to that story, I'd highly recommend it. This time on the Pigskin Tales podcast, I'll tell you all about another guy who grew up in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area and was chosen to play for his hometown Minnesota Vikings in the mid-1960s. He was part of a Vikings team that went to the Super Bowl in 1970 and 74. 
He played in 147 regular season games and one Pro Bowl in his career. He ultimately retired from football in 1975. This is Pigs in Tales, the story of Milton Milt Sunday. Milton John Sunday was born in Bloomington, Minnesota on February 1st, 1942. During this period in world history, a major international conflict was still going on from three years prior. Poland was invaded by Germany and Great Britain, and France declared war on Germany. If you're not familiar, this is the beginning of World War II. Back in the United States, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area in Minnesota was populated with about 700,000 people. According to Encyclopedia.com, many displaced Jews from the international conflict in Germany sought refuge in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area in the 1940s. About 1,200 settled downtown, but there were some that went to the western part of the city too. According to the Minnesota Historical Society, with many married men being drafted into the war, money was tight. Many wives tried to ration their meals with their food stamps to make daily living a little easier. They would write letters to their husbands daily about the weather and what the kids were doing. Most of the time, though, they couldn't wait for the newspaper to come because they wanted to read the latest obituaries to make sure they didn't recognize anyone. Researching Milt's parents, George and Marie, Ancestry.com has census information showing that George was a proprietor in 1940 and had two children at the time, Edward and Gerald. Marie would have been a housewife at the time. Although shortly after Milton was born, Marie passed away in 1946 at the young age of 42. We here at the Sports History Network proudly partner with 26 podcasts, all revolving around the history of sports. But did you know that many of our hosts were sports history authors way before they started their shows? It's true. We've got Joe Ziemba, host of When Football Was Football. Joe Zagurski, host of Pro Football in the 1970s. Mark Morthier, host of Yesterday Sports. Tommy Phillips, host of Lombardi Memories, and Scott Adamson, co-host of From the 55-Yard Line. All these authors have many books for you to choose from. To check them out, go to our website at sportshistorynetwork.com slash sportshistorybooks. Pick up your copy today! Soundtrack provided by Kevin McLeod of filmmusic.io Milton was only four years old at the time and was the youngest of three boys. He had to learn to grow up real fast. When I think about how life would have been like for kids in the 1940s, I think it would have been a little chaotic. The world at war, food being rationed, and the moms and dads who were called to go fight the good fight were gone. That would mean that aunts and uncles would have to be the caretakers. With the help of his brothers, Milt learned how to play football and basketball. 
By the time that Milt was ready to graduate from Bloomington High, the University of Minnesota offered him a scholarship to play football. He humbly accepted the offer and played guard for the Golden Gophers from 1961 to 1963. During his playing days with the Gophers, he became the team captain because of his personality, leadership, and passion for the game. He also helped the team to a Rose Bowl win in 1962. In the 1964 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings chose Milt in the 20th round, number 271 overall. He would go on to play 10 seasons in the NFL and would play behind players like Grady Alderman and Mick Tinglehoff. He did make one Pro Bowl in his pro career and was part of the 1969 team that won the last NFL championship before it was renamed the NFC Championship starting in 1970. According to Milt's obituary posted by the Star Tribune as of April 26, 2020, Milt was a big guy with an even bigger heart. He was the one who you wanted on your team. He was genuine, humble, hardworking, and loving. He and his wife, Barb, had four children and eight grandkids. There was nothing that he loved more than his family. This episode is sponsored by Home Field Apparel. At Homefield, we know college, and we know what it's like to be part of something bigger than you. We create unique, premium collegiate apparel that shows you're a part of a community while still standing out from the crowd. Whether you're on campus or off, our high-quality goods are thoughtfully made and designed to last as long as your memories do. You can save 15% off your first order when you use the promo code SPORTSHISTORY at checkout. After Milt's playing days with the Vikings, he became a successful business owner and a high school girls basketball coach. He loved to donate his time around the Minneapolis-St. Paul-Bloomington communities. He was also part of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Hope Presbyterian Church, IFI Prison Ministries, Walk for Mankind, Wheels for the World, Street Hoops, and even founded the Round Ball Classic Summer Camp. To end this episode, I'd like to share some memories of the people that were touched by Milt's presence. This first one is from John. During the late 70s and early 80s, I bought a lot of weightlifting equipment at his Milt Sunday's Fitness and Weight Training store on Excelsior Boulevard. Mr. Sunday was so kind and patient in that he was willing to have the benches built to my specific requirements. Who else would do that for a 20-year-old kid? Now, some 40 years later, I and my sons and grandsons still work out on that very equipment every day. He had them built to last. He wouldn't remember me, but I've had a lifetime of bodybuilding using his equipment. Thank you, Mr. Sunday. The second memory I'd like to share is from Edwin. I met Milt when we coached girls basketball against each other in the 90s. He impressed me because it was very important to him to teach the girls how much fun basketball could be and how to play the game honestly and fairly and still enjoy the sport, win or lose. I noticed this because I shared the same feelings. 
Over the four to five years that we faced each other, we had several competitive games and always shared with each other's successes. He even complimented my coaching style and humility and graciousness in our contests. The highlight of our time together came in Goodhue after our JV game. My neighbor and his good friend were die-hard Vikings fans from the beginning, as well as solid Gopher fans too. They asked me, hey, do you know who that is? I said, yeah, it's their JV coach. They responded, no, that's Milt Sunday. I asked if they wanted to meet him and very shyly said, that would be awesome. I went across court and asked Milt if he wanted to meet some of his biggest fans. He politely agreed. So I introduced them and then left as they visited like long lost relatives. He made their day. Once again, showing the world, at least in Goodhue, what kind of a man he was. I admired him for the man he was and for his great attitude towards coaching and life. The last memory I will share with you is from Ray. Milt and I were classmates and friends at Bloomington High. While he was a top athlete in football, basketball, and track, he could make our average hockey team feel like champs when we warmed up to a tune by Sunday's Rubber Band. I will never forget Jerry and Milt cruising Lindale Avenue in their quote-unquote convertible, which is a sedan they converted with one of their dad's welding torches. Milt Sunday is not just a legend on the gridiron, but he became a legend in the communities he served. Milt was 78 when he passed away from a courageous battle of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's diseases. Thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. This story was written and produced by Ross Bliley, edited by Nikki Bliley. To support the podcast, join me on Patreon. You can find the podcast on any platform you want, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Audible. If you like the story, help me out by doing a quick review. This will help others to want to listen. The soundtrack is from filmmusic.io. Once again, thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. 
head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.